Welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast, where we talk about all things OCD. The show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace professional mental health care. Here's your host, Christina Orlova. Welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast. In today's episode, we're going to be talking about the behavior of avoidance. So one of the things before we dive into talking a little bit about avoidance is, you know, people oftentimes say things like, oh my gosh, I'm so OCD. Oh, we all have OCD. And, you know, maybe it sounds like it's a cool fad or it's, it's like, you know, thing to have or, but, or to be or whatever it is. But the fact is that it really isn't something that everybody has. Or, and it's not usually something that a person with OCD will say, oh yeah, I'm so OCD about this. OCD is an anxiety producing experience. Um, it, it triggers anxiety, feelings of guilt, shame, embarrassment. Uh, I've yet to meet a person with OCD who will say like, oh yeah, I love having my OCD experience. So, you know, what isn't, isn't OCD. Usually when people say things like, oh yeah, I love to keep my things clean that's not OCD. You know, I love to keep my things lined up. That's not OCD. Or um, I love to arrange things in in this one certain way. That's not OCD. OCD is a very debilitating disorder, you know, um, in, on, from the, it's on a spectrum really from, you know, mild, moderate to severe. So on the milder end, it might feel like I'm um, needing to do things because I just need them a certain way, or I might be repeating certain things because I feel like um, it just makes me feel a little bit better. It kind of reduces maybe some of my discomfort or anxiety even. On the moderate to severe, um, it becomes much more clear that a person really feels uh, really driven to perform the repetitive behaviors because they're having this internal experience where they're having these intrusive thoughts that pop in their head without their control, um, where they're, it's constantly triggering their anxiety um, uh, center, the, the alarm center of their brain, the fight and flight response. And so they're constantly in the state of being unsure if what their brain is telling them is true or not. So, you know, all of us basically actually have intrusive thoughts. That's a very normal, common human phenomena. Um, It's just in the OCD brain, essentially the brain is not filtering properly. So it's not categorizing properly that something in fact is perhaps low level threat, not that big a deal and to toss it. And so for the OCD person, it gets really difficult to recognize if in fact something is threatening or not, or what's the level of danger, you know, could this really possibly maybe um, actually happen? And so a person with OCD can recognize that, you know, yes, maybe my thoughts are really catastrophic or maybe they might not be true, but it could be. And what if it is? And, but what if even that 1% could happen? And, and the reason people get really hyper-focused on that small percentage of the possibility that something could happen is because, again, internally, they're having this experience where their internal alarm system is constantly being rung, right? It's constantly going off. So you can imagine if, if you have your fight and flight response always turning on, it's not going to be a pleasant experience. So for folks who say, oh my gosh, I'm so CD, I love to keep things clean, or oh my gosh, I'm so CD, I love to keep myself organized, that's not OCD. That's a preference. You like it. You enjoy it. That's great. Um, a person with OCD, not one person that I've ever worked with or talked with will say that I, I love this experience. It's extremely anxiety producing. Um, some folks can have feelings of guilt, shame, embarrassment. Um, you can have panic attacks. Uh, oftentimes people have some depression. 
Um, you can feel kind of out of body. Um, it, it's very time consuming, especially when it gets much more intensive, like moderate or severe level of intensity. So it's just something to be aware of uh, when we're talking about this anxiety disorder that it's really not, um, it's not a preference. It's really, there's something happening internally in the brain circuitry um, and it's causing a, a really intense amount of distress. So with that, let's get into um, the conversation today. So, you know, one of the distinctions I think is really important to learn to make is like any behavior, right? There's a certain amount that when we engage in a certain behavior, it can be really healthy. Like there can be such a thing as healthy avoidance um, as a way perhaps to set a boundary, but that's different than when we're avoiding because of our OCD brain. And so that's what we're going to dive into a little bit more today. So let's talk about healthy avoidance. Healthy avoidance. So I have some examples. So healthy avoidance, for example, if you had an argument with a loved one, a friend, a, a parent, um, anybody, after an argument, it actually can be healthy to avoid um, engaging immediately in some other conversation because you're still kind of elevated. So it's better to take space and actually perhaps even like a little time out up to at least half an hour so that you give your body, your, your physi physiology, a chance to cool down just enough so you can start to think a little more clearly so that you can start to perceive things a little bit more um, as they actually are versus out of that emotional uh, place. So when there's a fight and there can be some anger or hurt or frustration or feeling misunderstood, um, oftentimes avoiding having a conversation uh, right after an, a fight is actually a good thing. It can be healthy. You don't want to avoid, obviously, indefinitely, but creating some space and taking some space is actually a healthy strategy. And once you've taken a little bit of space and you feel like you've got a little more control over yourself, then it's a great time to re-engage again and, and kind of and ask, you know, check in with the other person. Hey, you know, you're, are you open and ready to talk about things? And then you could both sit down and actually discuss things. Um, another example of healthy avoidance might be um, that you set a boundary with someone and then you're reinforcing it because you're going to avoid getting into the same patterns. So perhaps you've set a boundary that, um, you know, there's a certain conversation, let's say you, you see that you constantly have with a person and you notice that they just keep wanting to have that conversation. And you might say, hey, you know, I don't want to keep talking about this this is not really relevant or useful. This is not healthy. Um, you know, I, I don't want to have this kind of thing that we get into again because it never really, you know, ends well. So I'd like to avoid that. Um, and I'd like to make sure that we actually engage in a way that's really productive and, you know, we respect each other's um, boundary and preference. And let's say then the pattern comes up again. So it will be okay in that moment to say, hey, you know, I kind of let you know, I don't want to do this. And here we are again. So, you know, I'm going to actually step back for now. So avoiding jumping or getting caught in the same pattern um, would actually be a healthy, healthy strategy at the time. Now, even as I'm saying this, I imagine if you're listening, you might for a minute, maybe think, oh, maybe there's other words we can use like, like boundary or taking space and we can, but if we're taking, if we're creating a boundary or taking space, we're then also avoiding and not engaging um, in the things that we, we might, like if I'm not taking space or avoiding, then that means I'm engaging in a fight, let's say, right? 
So I want you to, as you're listening, really stay open to the language and the words and understand the concept that I'm um, teaching, teaching on today and talking to you about. So really want you to, to globally just understand um, not engaging in something or avoiding something doesn't always have to be a negative, right? So the last kind of example I have is increasing your self-awareness to avoid same pitfalls. So that's a healthy avoidance, right? Because when you become a lot more self-aware and, and you learn different aspects about yourself and why you do what you do or why maybe you've done something in the past and then things start to make sense again, it really helps you then to learn something new and useful that you can actually implement so that next time you can already see when and where there might be that pitfall coming and you can avoid it, right? You, so you don't have to step right into the same muck and mire. You can actually make a different choice and you can sidestep and not have to and get into the same kind of place that you've been at before. And that's a great thing because that means you're growing, you're learning, and we want that. That's actually great for humans. So now let's talk about OCD avoidance. So here's a distinction. With OCD, a person I want to avoid because they're really feeling anxious. And so when we're feeling really anxious and that state, um, that emotional state is up and pretty high in our system, it's actually really hard to also think and perceive things accurately. So when you're having a heightened state of arousal and you're feeling anxious or guilty or ashamed or embarrassed, you cannot perceive things clearly. So you're going to perceive some event as potentially a threat. And so you're going to think, I must avoid, abandon, run, flee. So this is where it, this avoidance now is not really a healthy adaptive pattern. It's something you're doing out of the state of anxiety. Which leads me to this next point where you learned that avoidance is the only way to stay safe. So what you're learning by avoiding because you're feeling anxious or guilty or embarrassed is that one, you can't tolerate anxiety, so I must avoid. And two, you learn that avoidance is the only way that I can then make sure I am actually okay. When the fact is, if you're doing that, you're actually reinforcing the very cycle you're trying to break because all you're doing is teaching your brain that I not, not only cannot handle it, but I also then um, don't get a chance to learn anything new. I literally am just going to constantly run away and shut down and flee and stay away from things. And the more you do that, the smaller your world gets. And those listening and those who have OCD, I know you know what I'm talking about. Um, I've been pretty open about the fact that I have OCD. Um, I also specialize in OCD and anxiety disorders. So time and time again, when I see people constantly um, avoiding, it just breeds more avoidant behaviors. And the more a person avoids, the more they really lose their freedom. And now they really become constricted because their OCD brain is really running rampant and taking charge of their life, which is, of course, not what anybody wants. Um, and lastly, avoidance of intrusive thoughts leads to thought suppression, which leads to more intrusive thoughts. So it's this cycle of when I'm trying to avoid these thoughts that are kind of, you know, popping in my head, then what do I want to do after that? Well, if I'm avoiding them, that means I'm telling myself that those, just even having those thoughts is dangerous. So now I'm going to start to develop this belief that just the sheer fact I'm having these intrusive thoughts or images or sensations is dangerous. Now I'm going to de develop a belief that just the sheer fact that I have these 
feelings of anxiety and guilt and shame that those are those are dangerous and so in that way the brain is going to now create that association and next thing you know what's going to happen well you're going to have more of those thoughts because the brain is in this weird way trying to keep you safe so it thinks oh since you're reacting then there must there must be a threat so let's produce more more of that um kind of trigger more of that thought because we we're really trying to keep you safe, but it, but it's really this counterproductive process that's happening in, in the OCD brain. Um, OCD is really quite fascinating because it's really counterintuitive in terms of how you need to work with yourself and what you need to do to get better. So what I want you to really walk away from today and understand is that when you're avoiding something, not because it's actually driven by, because I set a healthy boundary and I'm actually practicing, you know, that, um, you know, self-love or self-compassion by following through with my boundary or because this is actually right now a healthy time to, you know, avoid any conversation and take some space. If you're not doing that and you're doing and you're avoiding, you know, having thoughts or uncomfortable feelings because you're having an OCD episode, all you're really doing with that behavior is basically reinforcing the very cycle. So uh, one of my, I believe it was the last episode where I talked about the OCD anxiety cycle. So you might want to check out that video so you can learn a little bit more about how the cycle works. So avoidance is just one of those behaviors that really commonly gets missed um, in folks with OCD where they might not realize that, oh, that's actually a compulsive behavior. So you've now learned a little bit about the difference, but also please know if you are avoiding, you're probably compulsively avoiding, you're feeling an urge to continue to avoid. So um, if I were you, I would definitely take a look at your own behaviors and kind of, you know, how are you avoiding things and why are you avoiding things? Thanks for listening. See you in the next one. Thank you for listening to OCD Whisperer Podcast. To get additional support with OCD and have your personal questions answered, whether you are newly diagnosed, got through treatment and need help maintaining progress, or you can't afford treatment, visit Christina's on-demand Mastering OCD membership at masteringocd.com.